Last week, I had a phone call from a friend who is in her early 30s, and um, she was quite distraught because a friend of hers about the same age had died very suddenly over the weekend. I think it was a very aggressive cancer that they caught, you know, about three days before she died. And so my friend, who is not a church person, who is not a religious person, who is not a Christian, was phoning me to say, why would this happen? So there was something about that, that tragedy and the pain and the grief that sort of overrode all her, all her atheism to say, there's got to be an answer. Someone has to be in control of this, and this is wrong. And I don't have a clear-cut answer for those moments. I have, my answer is, no, it's not fair. And she didn't do anything wrong. And this isn't punishment. And... I'm pretty sure it's not God's will to have a 32-year-old single mother die. And I'm pretty sure God is weeping right now. And that's all I got. The question of God's power can be a very real one in moments like that that are close to the boat. Like, where is God? Why would this happen? How could a supposedly loving and all-powerful God allow this to happen? The short answer that is possibly comforting and possibly maddening and possibly unhelpful is, I don't know. And part of the reason I don't know is because actually the Bible itself does not spend a lot of time on the question of why. Why does God let things happen? Or what is God's role in tragic or painful things? I think there is a mystery. I think for me, I've come to a place where I say, I don't know, but I know God is here. And Sometimes that kind of mystery, that, that kind of acceptance of, look, I just don't know, can be misused, right? To say, we don't know at the end of the day, therefore we should ask no questions. You know, sit down, accept whatever comes your way. Don't think, just accept. I don't think that's what we're meant to do. I, I think we can ask all the questions we want, absolutely. It's just that for some, we don't have answers. But that whole experience came to mind for me when we came to today's passage and today's particular celebration. I find it really interesting that on a Sunday that is about the, the kingship of Jesus, the reign of Jesus, the lordship of Jesus, those who uh, put together the lectionary, which is the selection of readings that we have on a Sunday, did not go for something like Revelation, which is all about, you know, the lamb enthroned. Uh, and they didn't go for something, for one of Jesus's miracles. You know, they didn't go for something where Jesus is displaying power. They went for a passage in which Jesus is in chains. 
Jesus is on trial. Jesus has been hauled before um, the Roman rulers of his day and is having this conversation with Pilate. So first, I think that's a very first interesting uh Uh, display of what Jesus's power is and isn't, what his kingship might be and isn't. So let's go through this. So we've got Pilate, Pontius Pilate, he of the famous hand washing. Um, Now, Pilate was a real person and he was a thug. He was a Roman appointed to govern this part of the corner. The corner of the world is part of the Roman Empire. He was a bully. He had contempt for the Jews that he ruled over. He was not a nice guy. In the other Gospels, Mark, Matthew, Luke, uh, they kind of soften Pilate a bit. Um, We think it was maybe an attempt to make themselves less threatening to Roman authorities. Like, look, the Romans weren't so bad. Because what Pilate does in the other uh, Gospels is he finds Jesus innocent or he wants to find Jesus innocent. He wants to let him go. This Pilate doesn't care does not care if Jesus is guilty or innocent. What he's worried about is Jesus' claim to power, right? Pilate is a political governor. Is this guy, Jesus, a political threat? That's what he's interested in. So are you the king of the Jews? Tell me, what's your rule? Are you going around claiming to be some kind of king? Are you a threat to me? Jesus answered, do you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? So that's interesting. Jesus isn't answering. Jesus is doing what Jesus always does. Jesus answers a question with a question. That's interesting because Jesus is not displaying fear here. Jesus knows what's coming. Jesus knows what this could mean. But Jesus is not playing Pilate's game. Jesus is saying, "Mm -mm, we're going to have this conversation on my terms. And I want to ask you, do you, uh, are you actually asking this on your own behalf? Or are you someone's puppet? Are you acting on behalf of someone else? I think that this reminds us about something about power. Power is always a relationship. It's a transaction. You can't have power on your own, right? So whether you have power over, over human beings or whether you, you know, want to believe you have power over... I don't really know what else there is to have power over other than other human beings, you know? But you can't decide on your own that you're going to have, you can't go around saying I have power and therefore everyone gives it to you. And there's a few different ways of earning power. One of them is violence, right? Threats, fear. That's how Pilate is ruling. We have the army. We are the ones with the spe- with the spears. We're in charge. And that still is a transaction, right? Because it's saying, I mean, it's not a negotiated one. But Pilate, you know, the uh, the presence of an army says, we got the weapons, you better be scared. And we're not, um, and if you step out of line, we're going to use these weapons. So the, the sort of implicit agreement that then is, oh, okay, you have the weapons, 
I'm scared of the weapons, I'll behave myself. So whether that's the Roman army, whether it's uh, the Chilean dictatorship of the 70s, whether it's um, what's happening in Belarus right now, that's one kind of power. But there's a lot of other kinds of powers. And the power that I think is both strongest and weakest at the same time, or most vulnerable maybe, is the power of trust. Now that is strong because trust has to be earned, right? You can't just, you cannot make someone trust you. And whether it's another human being, whether it's a child, whether it's an animal, you have to earn trust. And then in order to keep trust, you have to keep behaving in a consistent way. And the way you behave to earn trust is to demonstrate care for the other. Now, that looks like a lot of different things, right? So whether it's a parent caring for a child or whether it's, um, you know, a, a premier caring for the people or whether it's uh, a more professional relationship like a doctor caring for a patient, you earn that trust by your actions and your words. So it's strong because it's freely given. It is a choice made entirely by the person who gives the trust. And it's vulnerable because it, because trust is, is subject to hurt. And we know this as human beings. We have all hurt other human beings. We have all been hurt by other human beings. So trust is vulnerable. But I wonder if this is the contrast between Pilate's power and Jesus' power. Pilate gains power by frightening people, by harming people, by killing people by disregarding them and having all the money. Jesus gains power by living with the people, eating with the people, healing the people, teaching the people, loving the people. Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Pilate's like, I'm not going to get into this. I am uninterested in questions of power. I'm not a Jew. I don't care who you are. I want to know, are you threatening my power? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not from this world. And the challenge here is to not fall into the, 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 the either or, the separation of, of the spiritual life and the, 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 the bodily life, right? Because it would be easy to say here, my kingdom is not from this world. And to say somehow Jesus's power and Jesus's presence and Jesus's kingdom are sort of floating, you know, above us, whether it's, it's in the next life or whether it's, um, you know, only in the spiritual realm and it's only in our hearts, it would be easy to fall into that. But Jesus is saying, um, my kingdom is not from this world because my kingdom, my power, my trust comes from God. And God does not deal in spears and armies and threats. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. And in the Greek, the word followers is the same word that John uses to describe the temple police. So Jesus is, is on purpose contrasting his followers with, with other um, uh, temple guards. 
Pilate asked him, so you are a king? Again, I want to know, who are you? Are you a threat? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And the truth that Jesus in the Gospel of John is always talking about is that Jesus is from God. To believe in the Son is to believe in the Father, and to believe in the Son and to believe in the Father is not just to have a ticket into heaven, it's to gain a new relationship with God. It is to be swept up into Jesus' relationship with the Father, the deepest, most life-giving, life-affirming, heart-opening, soul-enriching form of intimacy with God. And then Pilate asks Jesus, what is truth? This is not a philosophical question. This is not Pilate putting on his beret and getting a glass of wine and sitting saying, all right, let's sit down and talk about this. What's truth? This is Pilate saying, I don't know what you're talking about and I don't care. And in this moment, Pilate, ironically, even though he said earlier, I am not a Jew, am I? Pilate becomes, in John's eyes, a Jew. Because throughout the Gospel of John, he talks about the Jews as the people who do not enter into this relationship with the Son and the Father. And Pilate has become another person who rejects Jesus, who rejects the power, the kingdom that he offers, and says, I'm a stick with the spears and the army, thank you. So on this day in which we explore this question of the kingship of Jesus, the power of Jesus, and therefore the power of God, I think maybe, and I don't know if what this would mean to my friend who was crying on the phone, but I think maybe the power and the lordship and the kingdom of God come from the love, not, not a sort of bubblegum pink unicorns and fairies love, but a love that's, that demonstrates what Jesus did, which says, I will die for you. I will go the distance for you. My love is so all-consuming that I will do whatever I need to to keep you safe and to show my love. And I wonder if that is the power. And that, my friends, is indeed a power. Because when you know someone who cares that much for you, when you know someone whose trust is earned by demonstrating again and again that they are not worrying about their own status, but they are worried about you, then we have someone to whom our life is worth giving. So for this year, for this Reign of Christ Sunday, that is my answer, that we have a God whose kingdom is based in the trust we give on the basis of the love demonstrated then and demonstrated now. And for this, we give thanks. Amen.